0: Welcome to our weekly, and we mean weekly Wednesday night shiir. This is our, not last week that we're doing it, but uh, for now this is the upcoming Yartite of Odasheni, of Elisa Shalamis, Chavdalid Adir. and Neshamah have Aliyah. May it get to all the right places. May it be a blessing for her family and for her children. We have actually this week another such discussion. As we begin Pasha Shemini, this Shabbos is also Shabbos Mubarakham. Ha-Chadish of Shadish Nisan, which is also ultimately Pasha's Para, although Para is not always Shabbos Mevarchim, Chadish can either be Shabbos Mevarchim Nisan or Rish Khaedish Nisan. However, since it is Rish Chadish Nisan, therefore Para is Shabbos Mevarchim Nisan. like to discuss Pasha's father. we'd like to discuss varhamakhidesh nisan we'd like to discuss pasha shmini we'd also like to get into a little bit that beautiful beautiful time of year again the Halakas of hilgas pesach um Beginning, though, with the Parsha, beginning on a note, teaches us about strength, inner strength of a person. This next Parsha, Parsha Shmini, begins, of course, about the Shmini the Miluim, Vayihibayim HaShmini Mesha, Samishkan, the Mishkan is now set up. Amazing, amazing story going on. The love between the two brothers, Aden and Mesha, the reverence and the respect they have for one another, then within the parishes is talking about the animals, kosher animals, non-kosher animals, kosher insects, kosher fish, etc. We have a very, very heart-rendering story. The Torah reads, The children of Aaron, he had four sons, Two of the sons, Nadav and Aviyu, each one took their pans, their frying pans. And as they took their pans, they placed a flame in them. Then they put frankincense on the fire. And they brought before God. However, this, says the tater was Aish Zara, a strange flame, asher lo'i tziva, is so which they were not commanded to do. We get one of the connotations, one of the traps of the tater that we very rarely see, the Mercha Kifula, under the word lo'i, Red, of course, as you think we've done it before, Asher Which ultimately gives us a very strong emphasis on the lei tiva isam that they were not commanded to do this at all. The Torah continues and tells the entire story of Atetzei Eishma Hashem. A flame came out from before God, and consumed them. And they passed, they died before God. Different opinions of exactly what happened. Basically, the one that is taught usually, is the flame entered their nostrils, and burnt their entire insides, their bodies be, remained unscathed. Here they were in the Holy of Holies and needed to be removed. This in itself was a tedious task. Removing the bodies from inside. On top of that was the problem of who should become impure, impure. There was a lot of halakha situations involved. But there was a Meishara that was there to be made a and to tell what needed to be done, what got into these two boys? Why did they decide to do this? This devious act that obviously was not right. So much so, it was punishable with Islam <laughs> by death. Rashi, who usually just gives us the explanation as to what goes on in the Pasuk, gives us two explanations. (coughs) Two different explanations, two different people. Rebel Yezer, Yeza has his opinion as to what happened. What they had done, What was their actual sin? And another opinion, as well, of Rabbi Ishmael. Rabbi Yeza says, they Arin." The children of Aaron did not pass only because they passed a judgment. They passed a halacha in front of their master Moshe. Now, all due respect to the Nadav and Avihu, Taylor tells us they were walking behind Moshe and Aaron. And they were actually discussing to themselves that they're not much inferior to and Aaron. As a matter of fact, their unfortunate haughtiness tended to tell them they may even be superior to them. Which gave them cause. To actually cite a halacha in front of Misha, in front of Misha. A very, very severe sin. The Bishmol, Amy, the Bishmol says yain. They were inebriated, they were drunk, and in that condition, They went into the temple. They went into the tabernacle. Teda, let it be known. Sheacham is in other words, the proof that Rashi is bringing, or that sorry, Rabbi Shmuel is bringing. She'acham Isoson, after their passing, Hizil, the tailor, then warns Hanesorim, the rest of the kahanim, Shulayikonzu, they, they should not go in, Shasu the lemigdash. Inebriated, or after they drank wine, into the midash. Rashi then says, the Melech, Shaila, Ben Bayis, Kedisev, a an example a parable, says Rashi, to a king that had a Ben Bayis, someone that lived in his home and had to behave at a certain level, had to always know where he was. The commentaries on Rashi do a good job here. First of all, they want to know why this Tera in, at all to have to give us a reason for their passing they passed, they went in, they passed fine, not fine but what the whole elaborate explanation is all about and this one says this and this one, why the two opinions and the tater said clearly anyway in the Pasuk we read before They came in with a fire, with a flame, by Akribil of Nehashem, Eish Zara. So obviously, we know that is the reason that they were put, they were deemed to be put to death. Elsewhere, it says, and it's explained at length, Rashi asks, Rashi has a question. How is it possible to the Benchamish the Mikr to understand, to this little boy learning the Pasuk? To understand the simple explanation of this Pesach is Vatei Eish Flame went out. Teda is telling us that the most severe punishment death by fire And not only that, but two before that, it also talks about vateizei ish And at that point, vateizei is the schar Godel, they have the fire for the altar, which is ultimately the reason that the Shina rested and was recognizable. Please mute. Please mute your computers. Please mute your computers. So much so, the flame went out and it was such a phenomenal thing, such a special thing that Vayar and the Jews fell on their faces. But this is the reason that Rashi had to explain Asia. Here it's talking about the passing of the children of Aaron. This is a concept which is not exactly going in together with the resting of the Shekhinah, the revelation of the spirituality of the holiness. For through the children of Aaron came the fire on the mizbeach. They merited Vatei And the bringing of the potatoes, of the incense, the frankincense, of the children of Aaron, again it says Vatei And here it's a flaw. According to their level. The way they behaved. And therefore Vatei Chaletsa the Aved itself though what they were doing the bringing of the frankincense this is a very very high spiritual thing people are going to want to know why I gave the sheer the middle of Grand Central Station this is therefore Rashi says says <laughs> Children of Aaron did not die, either atza ma'aveda, because of what they actually did. Because their actual service was a spiritual service. But rather, the reason they passed away was because they said, Ahalokha, bringing of the fire, they said how it should be done in front of Meshe Still in all, it's a little questionable to deserve such a severe punishment. <laughs> and Rashi hints this answer, but he says on the explanation of Rabbi Yezer For Rabbi Yezer said, for those who keep his score at home in Brachis, Chavzayin HaMebez 27, side two. Also it's in Yuma on 66 side 2, Samach Vav also in Sukkah, on Chavzayin Amit 27 side 2, the Gemara cites the following, ha Dovar someone says a halacha, that he did not hear from his teacher, Geirim Leschina Shetestalik M'Yisrael, he causes the Shekhinah to leave Fali. Yisrael from here we understand how much more so the stringency not only did he say something that the Rebbe didn't say but he said it in front of his Master now maybe we can understand why it was so severe, the punishment It sounds almost logical, but it still leaves a little bit of a doubt. Because bringing the kateides and giving a psagdin, giving a passing a judgment in front of their master, causing the Shina to leave, how is it that through this teizei ish? this flame that came out is equivalent to the resting of the shekinah how did it derive such a phenomenal thing Somebody else's mic. Okay, <laughs> I don't know whose mic was. Therefore, Rashi brings down the other explanation of Rav Shmuel. of went in the mikdash, and that's the reason they died. And Rashi brings proof to this because immediately after this story the halacha of not going in when you're drunk that a kayan may not drink mayed, comes right after this story because it's obvious that they didn't realize or that they might do it again someone else might do it and therefore the tivu was brought down of the tzivu according to this they were punished a horrific punishment of death for something that the tater had not yet commanded so in that case their bringing of the taters was a very very actual beautiful thing they did there is no sin mentioned here and therefore we understand why it caused Vatei It caused the resting of the Shekhinah Rashi continues, Moshele the Shagel Eben Bayis. Giditsim Obviously the reason for Rashi's intention here, to look in V'yikrit And to look it up and see the Moshele it says there. And the marshal reads as follows: Marshal Amelik Shaiyale Ben Bayis Nemon. He had a Ben Bayis, a boy, a fellow that lived by the the palace, a trustworthy one. Matza, he found a made al pesa chanuyes. The heises is standing by the entrance of the, no, the doorways, and his head was split open. Mina and he took him somebody else instead of him nobody knew why the first one was killed but later when they commanded the second one they said then we figured out that he went into the Pesach that's what killed him but it still doesn't exactly match this parable does not match the ultimate lesson. And so much more so. Let's look at the actual wording of Rashi. Rashi does not bring down the entire parable. Rashi only brings down the Melakh ibn Bayis. Why does he not elaborate the entire story? If he wanted only to give a short version, he could have said, he could have said even shorter. He could have written, the Melech, the mushal of a king. And then said, Look in the Medrash. why did he bring down the words, Mashallah Melech bin Bayez? We can easily answer this. If only after they died then they were warned the rest of the kahanim not to drink wine when they go in to do the service. If it's only after the death then why were they killed? They never got the commandment. They didn't get the memo. You didn't get the memo. Leave me alone. How can you fire me? You never told me I can't do that. And here they didn't just get fired, they didn't just get demoted from Kuhuna. Shaul HaMelech, when he didn't listen to what Shmuel HaNavi told him, that the king, the entire concept of Malchus, of being a king, and the entire royalty of the family was stripped from his family. But we know, he didn't listen, he didn't follow instructions. But Another one of you didn't get instructions they weren't given this warning don't you dare do this why be killed therefore rashi brings the Muslim who's a bit biased by a king who's considered? A child of the house, someone that really knows what's going on in the house, someone that's at home in the house. We've experienced many different bin ibayas in our home. Boys that were learning here in yeshiva from overseas, and one of them actually, I guess around this time of the year was the anniversary of his proving how, been, how at home he felt here. Um, I was out of it, uh, dehydrated. I was bedridden for two, three days. And he had come to visit, and he said to me, Pesach is coming, now we have to clean the svarum. Do you mind, he says, this is my job at home, and I miss it, I feel homesick. Do you mind if I do this svarum? Were you here? Well, it wasn't here, it was only those four. Okay. It wasn't in this house. It was in the old apartment. I said, "No, I don't mind." There's <laughs> nothing much more I could have said. Any, I barely be able to talk. <laughs> but that's a ben bias. Someone that feels at home and knows what's going on. So therefore, Rashi brings the Moshe of ben bias. A ben bias needs to know how to behave, where he can be, where he can't. He does not have to be warned for every step of his way. He has to realize as a bey of the palace there are things that are not befitting do not behoove him. And these are actually the opposite of what the king would want. Nodoven aviu ibn bayas al aviu by God. It says, B'krei v'ya kadesh My crave my close ones. Therefore, they themselves needed to understand and to know that to come Shasu Yayin was not befitting for them to come serve this way. And therefore, they were punished as such. Therefore, we understand why Rashi only used the words Moshe lemelach shayyale ben That's all that's important. He doesn't have to give us the rest of the Mashal. These words are sufficient to tell us that this is the same exact situation here. Mashallah lemelach shayyale ben b'ayes, and Moshe lehakadosh baruch hu shayyale ben b'ayes. The Almighty's b'nei b'ayes or noda ben aviyum. And therefore they needed to understand on their own what they needed to do and how they had to be how they had to behave. But they were put to death. To death. For to something they really were not told. So Bishmar who explains who says this. Rashi adds or Rabbi Shmuel's words, in the name of Rabbi Shimon. We know from the famous, famous story of the Asara Malchus, the ten great sages that were put to death. Rabbi Shmuel Hayakayin Gadol. Rabbi Shmuel, Tihir Rabbi Shmuel Atzmai. The sanctifies himself and he goes up to heaven to find out what the decree was all about. He was a kayan in the Chazal, if you're keeping score at home, Chul in Aleph. Kahani. He always made things, he alleviated everything for everyone. He always did things, he covered everyone's situation. And therefore when he cites an explanation on what happened here he's going exactly to the way he actually always behaved. Right. It is better for Rabbi Shemuel, the Sayyid Kahani the one who helped Kahanim the one who always... Was their lawyer, their advocate. When anything was ever done wrong, he always came to their side, to their aid. Even though the psukim are a little bit difficult to understand, but we still see how their sins were magnified. They went against the commandment of God. And like Rabbi Eleza says, they said a halacha before their master. So when the pasuk says, when they brought a halacha which they were not commanded to do, we need to explain, according to Rabbi Shmuel, they had been drinking and although at the time they were not commanded yet but because they were such great tzaddikim, so righteous it was befitting of them to know as such but because of their greatness it was befitting of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to command them to this, bring this Aktera even though they worship. Shosiyayim. The but they weren't commanded as such. And therefore when the tailor then continues and says Ya'in v'sheikhah al-teisht Rashi explains Ya'in v'sheikhah Ya'in dedach shechlusay drinking wine to get drunk. And it's therefore, the mufarhim have a problem, then the commentary is, "How does Ashi know that?" Only if the one wants to get drunk when he's drinking. And therefore we understand. we explain this simply. it's out of place. Why all of a sudden, in the middle of the Shmini, the Meluhim, the Chnuk, the Samishkan and everything else, did this come in this story, this whole tivui? So, therefore, we must say the reason that this tivui of wine and drinking, not to drink, not to come in inebriated, needed to be explained here in the middle because it's just happened to another one of you. Therefore, we go according to the explanation of Rashi that they had drunk according to the Bishmo. Nadav and went in. Unfortunately, just the They only drank wine. No reason to add that they drank sechor. There's no beer involved, also. And there was wine that was used for actually sacrifices. So it was wine that was used for these things. Sechor is not. So, they were given this warning in the Hamshach, in the continuation immediately after their death. We would think maybe that only refers to wine because they only drank wine, because wine was available to them. So, therefore, it has to be added. Since this is the first day of the week. Therefore, another view was still shots of Yayin. The Kiddush, the Yayin, the Kiddush of Abdullah. They drank on Shabbos and Mata Shabbos. So, talk from that. So that's how much they drank? Could be. I had occasion yesterday to why, be... Why is that written now? Huh? Why is that now? I had occasion yesterday to be by a meeting for the Shabbos. Bezayinam and Bez, eighty-seven side two. Um, the OPT Office of People Transportation, and um, someone was giving praise to the people, the faculty, etc., that are well-deserved fra- praise. And he told a very, very intriguing story. He told the story of Eerov, with a known rabbi before the war even. Unfortunately, he was in the concentration camp. And during his suffering in the concentration camp, he was always there for everybody. Everybody knew, you could go to him, discuss with him whenever you could talk, if you were able to talk at all. One day, one of the people came over to him and said, Rabbi, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it out of this war. I'm not going to make it out of this camp. I just want you to know, I want a favor. I don't know where my wife or my children are. If they are in existence any longer. I was a very, very wealthy man. And I took all my money and I put it in a Swiss bank account. Here he says, Rabbi, and he hands me a paper. This is the account all my money is in. Please, dear Rabbi, should you survive the war, which I'm sure you will, please do me this favor find my wife or my children my remaining surviving family members and see to it they get the money Rabbi obviously told him no, please don't be like that you need to be positive You need to try to encourage him over and over The man said, Rabbi, I know better. I know my situation. I know what I can live. I know how much I can do, how much I can tolerate. And lo and behold, a few days later, the man passed. And the rabbi carried around. How much do you need? The rabbi carried around this paper with this number. He carried it out of the camp he carried it out of the concentration camp and he carried it after the war and he settled in Europe and became a rabbi, a head chief rabbi of a town, of a country and a year went by and two years went by and he knew where this paper was at all times never did it ever enter his mind never did he ever entertain the thought after looking for survivors from the family, and really looking and not finding them, it never entered his mind to go check the account, and maybe even empty the account. 20 years went by after the war. (laughs) And for those people that go to shul three times a day I'm sure you all merited to have the experience of the little shnada that comes around asking for tzadaka, pestering for tzedakah some shuls have their own union and they all come in a flock and they come in with a wave Five, six, seven of them, and the first one that comes over to you, if you give him anything, they all come in like little bees behind him. And if you can, if you can afford, you have your budget. Some people have nickels set up, some people have dimes, some people have quarters. And they wish to bench everybody should be able to give out dollars and larger on a constant basis. Well, usually in schools, for example, in seven seventy today, you have the same faces that come every day. It's like you're on their payroll; they're on your payroll, and they come every day. And you have those people they know to, they go to, and they have people where they know that these people they don't bother because they're not giving you maybe they'll get from on Purim or Pesach or something for the holiday but generally these guys not giving nickels and dimes every day so they, they make their route around the shul and they know basically where everybody sits they don't, it's, it's, it's cute and um, but in the olden days it wasn't as such the olden days, you do have, even today, you have the occasional fellow that walk into Shul, for, kala, for something serious that happened in the family, and they come in and they show up once. And when this person shows up once, people are much more generous to the person. And they'll, they'll give them something substantial, and especially if the person is telling them a story, and shows them a letter from somebody that's saying, that yes, they are indeed, unfortunately, in need of what they are asking for. So that tears at people's hearts, and you see people open their wallets in a different angle. After the war, it was commonplace. The person would come in, looking to reestablish, and they would go from house to house, from shul to shul, town to town. If however a person came in once, first time, like I said, people gave him nicely. If they came the next day again, it started getting awkward. And the third day, and if they started becoming a regular every day, some people some people would say, I'm not hiring you as my payroll, not putting on my payroll, I'm not giving you every day. Some people don't did. When the Rav saw this one particular fellow come in, Day after day, he asked the shamans of the shul, who is this guy? So he told them who he is, told them a name. He told them the name, the name of his friend from the concentration camp. Immediately, the dove called this fellow on his side and asked him what is your name? and he tells him his name what is your first name? he tells him his first name what's your father's name? and he tells him the same, the right thing what town did you come from? and it was again the same everything fit and he said to him, Rabid there's no reason for you to snar there's no reason for you to collect money you're a multi-millionaire and he took out the paper and he told him the story. Needless to say, after they splashed enough water and woke this fellow up again, he was extremely thankful and received his money. Twenty plus years the rabbi held on to this paper till he found this man. So I heard the story and I felt it was very apropos and I would definitely repeat it because it shows the devotion of a Jew the connection of a Jew to another Jew today in Hayyim Yayim, I don't usually discuss the Hayyim Yeim it's safer written by the, Rebbe, the previous Rebbe that I've published mm-hmm. and every day there is a lesson in Hayyim Yayim. For everybody. Today the Let me read it verbatim so we don't uh, we don't distort anything. It's very, very short actually. Whoops, maybe he's not so sure. Why did this guy? Feeding? He left out the whole thing today. There <laughs> you go. The first thing it says, Amen, Avarachim, we say Avarachim. Then it talks about the Adrabi said about when the Tatus, and he's heard from the Magid, before Yechidis, the on the Pasik, Aish, Tammat, and the Be'er, Even though the Aish comes down on the Maida, it's just the Eida. Actually, I'm not going into the today's Hayyem Yem. This dvertal that was engraved, says Dalte Rebbe. Burnt into him. But prior to that, the Hayyem Yem starts, Emrim avrachman with say Abarachm". Random. Obviously, when the Hayyem Yem was printed, Khafadr Shaini was, when it was printed, actually, it was a leap year. And therefore there was two others. And Khafa the was on Shabbos. So if it's on Shabbos, sometimes it's a Shabbos is a question whether or not we say Avrahamim. Usually a day we don't say Tachman, we don't say Avrahamim. In other words, if Shabbos comes out on a date that usually during the weekday we would not say Tachman on that date, we don't say Avrahamim for Musaf. Here, randomly, the ayyam is writing, we say, Ovarachmin. So, of course, the this morning, the question was, at 5.30 in Shul, what is the Hayyem talking about? What is the ever referring to when he says about Ovarachmin? So, research was done. And Bar Hashem, when I went to Mairiv, I met... One of the people that was involved in this entire sikhsukh, as we say, the entire Balagan as to why we say Avraham, what is the question of saying or not. And he says, yes, he got the answer during the day. The Yemim was written, Chaf was Pasha's Poro. There is apparently a questionable halacha, whether or not on Pasha's Pada, there are different opinions, whether or not Pasha's Parah, we say avarachim, Pasha's Parah and Pasha's Zocher. And since it is questionable halachically from different f- sources, the Rebbe says that the al opinion is we do say avarachimim on Parah and Zocher however, if you don't daven you're davening elsewhere listen out to what the local Gabbai is going to announce the Shabbos, Shabbos we say the entire Torah, as we know talks about the Parah Duma which we've also discussed I'd like to focus a little more now the last few minutes of this year on Pesach we go to the halachas of Erev Pesach the fast of the firstborn the reason that the firstborn fast is a commemoration for the fact that the firstborn was saved in Egypt therefore they fast now it doesn't matter if the Bakhir is the b'chir of the father or the Bakhir of the mother In other words, if a man remarried to another woman and had his, he didn't remarry, he married the first time to a woman that already had a child, and then she had a firstborn. So the firstborn child was a son. Even though the son does not consider it a bechir, the son does not have a pigeon haben because the woman did not, The woman had a boy before, but for the father, he's considered a bechir to an extent that he would have to fast out of bezach. Now, there are different halakhas, of course, when it comes to the Becher, the kayin, or the levi. The bakhir, the kayin, and the levi do not have a Pinyin aben. The kayin and levi do not have to make a pidyan aben for themselves. However, when it comes to this case, the bakhir joins everybody else's ranks, doesn't matter what their status is, and they would have to fast as well. Firstborn girls do not fast. My daughter would be very happy to hear that. yes now a person has a young son the father has to fast till the child is old, mitzvah. if the father is a becher as well then he can't fast twice, no. There are those who want to say that the mother should fast for the child if the father themselves is a Not, Not that he should fast twice. But we don't we do not do that. It's not, it doesn't happen. We don't... We rely, excuse me, we rely on a sima sechta, the completion of a tractate of Talmud, which is usually said in the shul, Mm -hmm. and this is therefore considered enough of a su'udas mitzvah, enough for the person to participate. Once you partake of this, you do not have to fast the rest of the day either. Although there are those that eat then, and they fast the rest of the day. The Rebbe, I believe, fasted. If the becher was born, and it's still before his pidyon ben, which means he's less than thirty-one days, thirty days, there are those that say the father does not have to fast for him that year. Since today people have a harder time fasting, therefore they should hear him, see him, and therefore they can rely that not have to fast. A khasim that's a bakhir and he's holding him in the Brachas, he does not fast. A convert that's a firstborn, it's a safik if he has to fast. So you should just go to a sim. so he doesn't have the problems. Then if a person in can't fast and can't get to a him, there's different things that they could or can't eat. There are those that had a custom that the Bukher, even if they did fast, they only fasted until Chatzes. a magid. had that custom. If the person, however. Whoops, what happened here? Are they still there? Hope so. If someone Mamish can't make it, he doesn't have to fast another day. A Mitzvah, obviously, makes a person potter. Even a B'Rismillah, P'Gen ben even about Mitzvah, a Shev Brachas, is sufficient Siddharth not to have to fast. Hmm? We didn't talk about it for a reason. Siddharth is a common practice. People get together, they make a siyam, and then they eat. Those that have a custom, they bring the child also to hear the siyam. However, even if you're going to a siyam, you may not eat before the siyam. You can only eat after you hear the siyam. You can't eat, you can't drink, anything. Those that hold that you have to have a whole sa'uda, a whole meal. But the majority of opinions are that it's enough, it's sufficient just to have some cake or whatever it is. Um, preferably a should actually be mzenas, not Pesach dig a cake, which is shahako. Before, before the last time. And one should eat right then and there and not rely on going home and eating. However, if you went to the siyam and there was no food there, or he didn't eat there, then you could eat afterwards in your house. One needs to be by the meal, by the Siyam. Mid the however, if you missed the Siyam, means you came in and there was a Su'udah going on, the Su'udah Mitzvah, now, those that hold it, you can rely on those that heard the Siyam, and you can eat. If a cotton finished the Masechta, also consider. And he can make his Siyam for people that are G'dayim, and they can hear his Siyam, and they would not have to fast. It should be a Masechta, Gemari, not Mishnayis. Or a full Seder, Mishishim, Mishnayim, Mishnah. However, if the person learned if a Ho Mishnah is with Vartanura, then Prasha Sutra can be allowed. The and the Shaalmi would also be counted. If a Becher knows he needs to travel out of Pesach, he's not going to be able to hear see him. He can hear it the night before. You should have in mind learning the Masechta should be finished on Pesach. Some that like to choose to do Masechta's Chagiga as Masechta's Chagiga is a very, very connected Masechta to Pesach. A Balbris and a Sandik, if they are Becherim, they do not have to wait till the actual Bris. Mere fact that they are a Balbris, that they are the father of the child, or they are the Sandik for the child, is sufficient for them to eat even before the Bris. At a Pesach we do not eat Matzah. You have different opinions as to what kind of Matzah if the matzah would be uh, kosher for the, for the seder, not kosher for the etc. We do not work here after A regular job, in other words. You can drive, you can go around, but you don't work your regular job. Something that makes to sit, to earn you money. At Pesach, after you do not work this year it's on a Friday and basically people anyway come up on Fridays before Chatzes so it makes life that much easier not allowed to do any kind of work that's going to earn you money even if it's not a Malachi simple things can be done cooking can be done a button maybe to sew on or something small to do on a garment no minor things something that obviously is going to be lost can be done we don't wash our garments anymore after that if someone came from overseas however or extenuating circumstances and was not able to wash before that then we allow them. You can give a good to wash even if you don't need it for the yomtiv. If the washing machine is half full and the water hasn't started and there's a clothes in there that you must have for yomtiv but you want to fill the washing machine you can put in clothes you don't need for yomtiv also. Ironing for yomtiv is allowed. Don't use starch. What? It's chavits. It's kosher pesach. Kosher starch, okay. You can polish your shoes. Spit shine. But sewing itself, actually, for garments that you're not going to use, you're not allowed to do. Hair cutting should not be done after Khatze. Even by yourself. Obviously a Jew cannot cut for another Jew. If however it's extenuating circumstances, you can go to a guy. If there's no guy, then there's an opinion that if you need to, you need to. Same with the cutting of the nails. An abshernish, child three years old, can be done. Even after God says. Women, ask your rabbi. The night before is no problem. Most opinions... We have some opinions that say, rather not. Beneshkai, etc. (coughs) But then nails, as we said before, hands and feet should be done before yamtif. One of them should be done the day before, because we don't do hands and feet on the same day. Moga However, Erev if you need be, it's negotiable. But it should rather be done before Chatzes rather than after. should not donate blood a Pesach. After Chatzes, person should go to the Mikveh put on the big day Shabbos. And they go to bake Matzis known as Matzis Mitzvah. And basically these are Matzis that most people use for their Seder. Since they're extremely expensive, thank to the God thank God, the matzah bakeries that we get rich on Arab Pesach. Since they're very expensive, therefore some people buy only one or two, which they use for their afi for their levi, matzah, and their kaira. You have those that buy six and they use it for their entire kaira um, both in the morning and evening. <coughs> they're both, both days. and levi, and Yisrael. <laughs> next week we will continue the shir We'll also give the rest of the, not the rest, we'll add the of Pesach. Hopefully, Merz we will be in Eretz Israel, where we'll be Nechelm and Azvachim and Absachim, Inyir Rakedesh in the Besah Mikdash. Shabbat Shalom to all. Please make sure to go to hear Parashat Para, as there are some who have of the opinion that Para is also Midza Eira Isa.